to Learning Matters, brought to you by Michigan Virtual. I'm Ann Thomas, and I am here with my co-host, Dr. Dave Richards, Executive Learning Strategist for Michigan Virtual. On this edition of the show, we'll tackle the topic of preparing teachers for future learning. An interesting and informative show coming up next. Welcome to Learning Matters, brought to you by Michigan Virtual. I'm Ann Thomas. I am here with my co-host, Dr. Dave Richards, the Executive Learning Strategist for Michigan Virtual. And on this edition of the show, we are going to tackle the topic of preparing teachers for future learning. And Dave, we've got a great panel with us here today. We have Dr. Elizabeth Bermoji, Dean of the University of Michigan School of Education. And she is also an Arthur F. Thurnau Professor of Literacy, Language, and Culture in the School of Education. Dr. Elizabeth Bermoji, welcome to the show. Thank you very much. It's great to be here. We also have Becky Hutchinson. She is the Superintendent of the Concord Community Schools. Becky, welcome to the show. It's great to see you. Thank you so much. I'm excited to be on and join everybody today. And last but not least is Theo Kirk. You are the superintendent of the Port Huron Area School District. And Theo, welcome to the show. It's great to meet you. Thanks. Good morning, everyone. And Dave, I'm going to kind of let you introduce the panel to our listeners. Well, thank you, Ann. I'm excited to have this opportunity. Certainly a group of friends and colleagues that I've known uh, over the years and the work that we've done in, in public schools across the state of Michigan. But um, Dr. Moji, if you would mind going first, just kind of give the audience a little bit of your background uh, and the work that you do in the School of Education at the University of Michigan. Absolutely. Again, it's a pleasure to be here. I uh, am Elizabeth Bermoji. I am currently uh, serving as the Dean of the School of Education. But prior to my deanship, I uh, was a faculty member. I am a faculty member at the School of Education for 25 years. And prior to that, I was at the University of Utah as a faculty member. And prior to that, I was a high school history political science and biology teacher. And in my spare time, I coached the cheerleaders, led the, uh, the theater productions, and also drove a school bus. Love That's probably it. enough about me, Dave. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. That's Thank awesome, you. though. <laughs> I love it. And Becky, uh, Rural Superintendent, uh, Concord Community Schools, tell us a little bit about your background and the work that you're doing in Concord. Thanks, Dave. Um, so this is my 21st year in education, my second year as a superintendent. Prior to that, I spent four years as a K-8 principal, um, and that's all in, at Concord. And then I was a teacher for um, 20 years as well, teaching a variety of subjects, fifth grade, middle school primarily, though, language, arts, and science. Um, I spent a lot of time and still currently coach robotics. I've done both the elementary level and middle school and started our middle school robotics program here, which has grown into one of um, the very most exciting programs pre-K-12. We offer robotics for our students, so we're very excited about that. Wonderful. And Theo, as superintendent of Port Huron Area School District, uh, it's one of the largest districts in the state. Tell us a little bit about your path and, and how you came into the, the role that you are today. Yeah, sure. Um, I've uh, uh, 
taught in Canada and America. I've taught in New York, South Carolina, and Michigan, uh, and and all um, all levels. Uh, you know, first grade, middle school, high school. My sweet spot was eighth grade. I think we probably all have sweet spots, and mine was definitely um, eighth grade, first grade. Eh, I don't know if that was a that was a exhausting uh, time in my life. God bless those those first grade and kindergarten uh, teachers. Um, at Port Huron Schools, uh, probably the the um, thing I'm most proud of for this conversation is you know, we completed a couple of years ago a massive um, uh, bond where we redeveloped learning spaces and and flexible furniture and and uh, brought in the ability to do project lead the way in a way that that we wanted it done. So um, really proud of that across our our whole district, and and I think we'll probably touch on that in, in these conversations. Thank you, Theo. You know, one of the challenges that all of us are dealing with in a post-pandemic environment is the shift in learning and, and the, the new landscape of what learning is looking like. Dr. Moji, if you don't mind, I want to start with you and really your perspective on, we've talked a lot about how K-12 was impacted by the pandemic. Can you share a little bit with us what happened at the higher ed level, especially within the School of Education and, and how that has changed the work that you're doing um, with teachers in your program? Absolutely. Thanks for that question. You know, I would say our experience here at the university writ large was similar to that of upper grades uh, schools in well-resourced public school districts. Uh, incredibly disruptive, but not impossible. Uh, largely not impossible because, you know, we have adults um, as our students. Uh, they could all read. Uh, they could all write, and they, in fact, actually knew a fair bit more about technology than many of us did. But we also, and this is where the well-resourced part really comes into play, we also have, you know, great uh, technology tools. And I would say that's true of most universities. Obviously, different, you know, universities are going to have different levels of technology, but we were really fortunate to have actually the very best technology tools and great technology um, leaders and instructional specialists who could really push in and assist. Uh, in fact, in our school, Dr. Liz Kolb actually teaches um, incredible instructional technology courses to teachers all over the world, really. And so she um, was working double time doing that teaching and also helping all of us old timers who um, weren't so great uh, at figuring out Zoom and Canvas and all of the different kinds of tools that we had to offer. So I would say it was hard, um, but definitely not like in the lower grades where basic literacy skills are being developed and and children, you know, really don't always have sort of concrete operations, not to get too Piagetian. Mm -hmm. um, you know, they don't actually know what's happening uh, as they're looking at a screen. Um, I heard lots of stories about young children really experiencing anger and frustration and fear because, um, you know, they just, everything was disrupted for them. And of course, also their parents were trying to figure out how to 
how to manage all of uh, the different kinds of technologies and their own work. So that actually gets into you know some of the things that that we um, both lost and gained, especially in training teachers. So we have a lot of lost learning opportunities. I always like to say that not learning losses, but opportunities were lost, um, including you know some of the content learning for our students at the university, um, skill development, relational skills, and that ineffable quality of being with people, all of the kind of side conversations. And of course, those were lost for children as well, which means that our pre-service teachers weren't learning those kinds of uh, skills, right? Learning how to manage classrooms, how to productively harness the wonderful power and energy of those little children uh, that our superintendent Matt, um, just mentioned. Um, that actually was a, an enormous challenge. And so we had to develop a lot of simulations. We had to do a lot of case work. We, of course, they were working um, as pre-service teachers in, uh, you know, in virtual settings, but they weren't learning all the same things they needed to learn to be in person. But we did learn some new things as well. We learned how to use uh, virtual tools really well. And we learned that they have affordances, um, that we can work on how to build empathy across that digital space, that we can um, learn how to think about inequities. And so we actually developed a much deeper awareness of inequities. And I'll talk a little bit more about that in um, our next section. Thank you so much. You know, what's interesting is I think certainly Theo and Becky as local superintendents, um, those gaps that were exposed during the pandemic, not only in instructional design models, but also just the practice each and every day. Becky, for you as a rural school district in Michigan, as a superintendent leading that conversation for a smaller team, how did you step in to help teachers handle that shift that was so disruptive and so dramatic in such a short amount of time? Um, well, it was. It was for us being rural and small, we very thankfully had access to technology. 612, we were one-to-one -one with Chromebooks. Um, and K5, we were two or three to one, depending on kind of which grade level you followed. So that wasn't a huge barrier for us, at least initially, but our staff had up to that point really had um, teacher-centered learning environments. And so we had to make a tremendous shift um, first in just learning technology and, and learning how to use Zoom and learning how to use, you know, our Google tools and things like that. Um, and then we had to shift into thinking about putting that student at the center of the learning because they had to drive their own learning on some level. So really, we, we tackled it first by like, okay, everybody's okay. This is just a problem to solve. Um, and I really, um, from my perspective with my administrative team, um, it was a time of transition. So when COVID hit, I was 
just taking over um, as superintendent and moving into that role. So there really was a lot of learning for everybody. And as an admin team, I said, we're going to be the lead learners in our district. We're going to lead this. We're going to learn the tools first. And then we're going to host meetings where we're using the tools and modeling how to do that. Um, and then we, and every shift that we made, so we first started with technology, then we moved towards, um, you know, instructional components and communication and building relationships. And we tried to model that in everything that, that we were doing. Um, and the, I feel a lot like it was a little bit of a light bulb for us. So we really wanted to take the opportunity to recognize what everybody was going through. Um, it was almost like I want to say a trauma response because it was so shocking. Um, and, but once we accepted where we were at and said this was just a problem to solve, we decided to use it as an opportunity to do the things we had been talking about doing for years, really shifting to being a student-centered learning environment to um, make use of our flexible uh, furniture and flexible spaces that we had created with a bomb that passed in 2018, to really use technology as learning. And then the biggest shift, which I think we'll talk a little bit uh, later in, in the show, was to really start thinking about what does teaching and learning look like? What does our instructional framework look like that is going to help us not only make this shift to student-centered, but also keep it rigorous and integrated? Um, the really big light bulb for me I think for years we've always said, uh, oh, education is siloed. You know, this teacher's in her classroom and that teacher's in his classroom and we don't open the door to see, you know, how we could build partnerships. But I see that in every single aspect of the education system. Um, and, and this just sheds so much light on it. It's not just classroom to classroom, it's subject to subject. And so it is um, really changing the way we're trying to think about everything we do here. You are listening to Learning Matters, brought to you by Michigan Virtual. This conversation will continue in just a few minutes. You are listening to Learning Matters. I'm Ann Thomas. I am here with my co-host, Dr. Dave Richards, the executive learning strategist for Michigan Virtual. And Dave, great panel today. We have Dr. Elizabeth Bermoji, the Dean of the University of Michigan School of Education. We have Becky Hutchinson, the Superintendent of the Concord Community Schools. And we also have Theo Krahulis. He is the Superintendent of the Port Huron Area School District. And I'm going to let you continue this conversation. It's really all about talking about how we can train teachers future learning. Very interesting topic because we always talk about training students, but now we're taking a look at the teacher aspect of this. So Dave, take it away. Well, you know, it's interesting. We, we think about teachers who are coming into the field, but we also have districts who are filled, obviously, with veteran staff members who are trying to uh, re-equip and redesign how they teach their classrooms. And so, Theo, if you would, um, Port Huron, I think you're about nine or 10,000 students uh, that's a pretty large staff um, to have to support and the care and feeding to make sure that they can handle this new environment. What have been some of the challenges that you've come up against in transitioning staff to this new model of, of teaching and learning in a district that size? 
Yeah, it's been so interesting this week um, hearing from at graduation ceremonies and celebrations, the kids and the teachers, you know, they, they have speeches and, and things like that, and them talk about their experience and, and just what's happened over the last three years and how they've had to change what they do, uh, whether it's, you know, a student in a, in a, in a classroom or, or a teacher at the, the desk in the front. I mean, just amazing stories and the passion, you know, within um, uh, painting that picture about, you know, what's gone on over the last uh, three years and I echo what my colleagues said in the last um, segment you know as a superintendent when this started you know I had to quickly become you know a protector not only from the virus but from you know a very divided political arena it was pretty tough as we remember just a few years ago board meetings and parent interactions became very polarized and we had you know our, our job was to defend um, our kids our teachers had to defend our kids we had to defend our our, uh, our teachers you know constantly changing guidelines you know, we were building this airplane as we were flying it. It's no one's fault. Um, everyone was angry and exhausted. We lost a lot of good people who retired early and, and left the profession. You know, on a positive note, our, our community here in Port Huron um, saw, you know, this district transition into new roles. You know, you mentioned it, Dave, we delivered over a million free meals. We hand delivered curriculum to houses and zoomed into living rooms. Um, we've never known our families more than we do right now because of how we had to teach those those kids through Zoom and, and getting out to the houses. And, and I really hope we never lose that, you know, that mm. that um, that knowledge of families. That's one of those benefits we need to keep um, uh, uh, from the pandemic. And I think it's important to state that the, um, you know, the, the pandemic was hard, but but this year in recovery was was harder. It was way harder on our staff and on our kids. You know, that's fascinating because of the fact that um, people think the, the beginning and the disruption was the difficult part. Um, I, it was almost like this this extended run. They moved the finish line, so to speak, in regards to coming out of the pandemic. And, you know, I think that's one of the challenges that leaders have had to deal with. Um, Dr. Moji, one of the questions that I would have for you is, as dean of the School of Education, you have always, in the time that I've known, you've been very forward thinking very visionary in regards to preparation, credentialing, how to make sure that teachers are not only employable, but that they're really, they make an impact on the districts that are fortunate to hire them out of the School of Education at the University of Michigan. What do you see as the biggest shift that you're having to do to prepare teachers for this new world? Well, thanks. Thanks for those nice words, Dave. I would say the first thing that we're teaching our our new teachers is don't take the status quo for granted. Be ready. And they're they're really able to hear that. Um, I don't know what it will look like in the future if people will become complacent about being in person again. But one of the things we're really trying to teach is recognize the affordances and constraints of different learning modes. And I loved what Superintendent Hutchinson and Superintendent Kahulis said. Both of them talked about, you know, how do we think about learning differently? How do we think about knowing our families and knowing our children differently? So I think the, the pandemic really helped us. It sounds strange to say it helped us, but it's a silver lining that it helped us be, become more empathetic, become um, more understanding of inequities. So as we think about you know, how to develop instruction, we know it has to be meaningful. We know it has to be 
problem and project and place based to really grab students to help them learn no matter what the circumstances. We have to attend to enormous inequities and injustices in our education system. We've all mentioned it. We've all seen it. Um, we had it even at the university where, you know, again, we are well resourced. Um, and so we know that teachers alone really can't fix this, but they can teach rigorously and also with love and care for children as human beings and with attention to who their families are, what their needs are, and also with attention to really robust instruction that grabs students' interests and engages them. And so that's some of the work that we're doing is really focusing on how to do that better. You know, the student engagement piece is a, is a big part of trying to redesign and rethink. We often talk as our group through the Future of Learning Council and, and some of the others that this is much more about redefining learning than it is about how to redefine school. And that's difficult when you're trying to transition really two generations, the existing staff, as well as the new staff that are coming in and how do you assimilate them in. Superintendent Hutchinson, uh, we talked last week and you said you anticipate, and even in a small district, you're gonna have openings this year and the concern of how do I staff them and where do I get the caliber of candidate that I'm looking for? Can you talk a little bit about what that looks like for you as a leader? Yeah, this is a huge barrier, I think, um, for a small district. I'm sure it's everywhere, right? Like there's a well-known teacher shortage. Um, we have currently, well, as of February, going into April, you know, through the month of April, we had seven open teaching positions. And thus far, we have not filled them all. And the ones that we have filled, um, they're not with recent graduates. They're with other teachers from other districts who want to come join our team. And so, you know, that for a rural school district presents, you know, a couple, obviously, problems with getting qualified students in or qualified teachers in front of our students. But it also presents um, some financial challenges as well, right? Uh, there's this normal cycle, I think, in education where you hire people in, they come and they stay for you, they go to the top of the pay scale, they eventually retire. And then when you replace them with newer teachers, there's a bit of financial relief there. Um, and, and we're not, we will not see any of that this year because everybody that we're bringing in are experienced teachers. And that has a lot of, a lot of positives, a lot of pros, um, you know, but we, we see still have some big barriers there. And, and the biggest spaces that we're seeing it are in secondary science teaching positions and special education teaching positions. We have had a special education teaching position open all year long. Um, and now we're going into year two and we still don't have that position filled. So Superintendent Koholis, as you think about um, teacher of education prep programs, whether it's University of Michigan or any others in the state, what, as a leader, what would you want to say, here's the help that we're seeing that we really need that you could offer to the audience? 
Yeah, and just to piggyback on what Superintendent Hutchinson just said, you know, it's an employee market out there and, and employees are in a position now where they can pick and choose, which I think is where you're alluding to. You know, we, did, we didn't have that in the past where, where they would come in and stay with us and we'd build that team from the beginning and, and, and all that training would stay with them. Now, to piggyback on what you said, you know, we're, we're bringing in a lot of teachers with experience from different districts, but they haven't been trained in, in our systems. And that's a, that's a whole new animal we're, we're trying to tackle. And it's, and it's definitely, um, definitely, you know, tough. Um, we certainly, I think we all agree um, uh, and, and understand that becoming, you know, a master teacher doesn't, doesn't happen overnight. You know, you're not, you're not born with it, whether it's face-to-face -face or online to truly teach in the frameworks and, and, and delivery methods that we're talking about. You got to assume risks. Um, when you become a, a facilitator of learning rather than, you know, a, a content expert, when those rows and lectures are replaced with inquiry and, and, and collaboration, you have to release the reins a little bit. New teachers, you know, they need those strategies and confidence that they can always get their class back from, from giving that slack necessary from the, the future of, of, of learning, you know. Um, you know, flexible furniture, one-to-one -one technology, teaching with an LMS, they all accelerate the learning, but, but those things also accelerate the risk. And we need those, those, those systems that can help those new teachers, you know, things like champs um, and, and how to work with an LMS in, in, these, in these new learning styles is, is what's essential to those, those young, um, uh, fresh out of college. Um, uh, you know, they can help, uh, I've, I've witnessed our, our young teachers help our experienced teachers with the technology side of things, but, but those experienced teachers help the, the young ones, you know, get the reins back and, and, and conquer those risks. And once they get that confidence to conquer those risks, I mean, we're home, we're home. And Dave, I've got a couple of questions for our panel when we return from the break. Um, number one, why? Why are we seeing a teacher shortage right now? So I want everyone to think about that question. And the other thing is, you all work with teachers, you deal with teachers in different ways. What are the teacher's needs right now? So we'll talk about that when we get back from the break. You are listening to Learning Matters, brought to you by Michigan Virtual. Dr. Dave Richards, excellent panel here today on Learning Matters, brought to you by Michigan Virtual. We have Dr. Elizabeth Bermoji. She is the Dean of the University of Michigan School of Education. We have Becky Hutchinson, Superintendent of Concord Community Schools. And we have Theo Kahulis. He is the Superintendent of the Port Huron Area School District. And I had a couple of questions for the panel before the break. So question number one, and I want to start with Dr. Elizabeth Bermoji because she's right there on the front lines for this. Why are we seeing a teacher shortage? What the heck is going on? It's a great question, Anne. We need to invest in education. We have to recognize that all children deserve the best and then pay for it. So policymakers need to provide more funding. We have to start by addressing stagnant pay and benefits. I mean, that's, that's a huge issue. Uh, need to stop talking about incentivizing teaching and instead pay a professional salary. That will get more people wanting to come into the profession. We can't stop there. We have to change the narrative. It's very negative right now for teachers. We have to respect teachers. We have to better educate our teachers, provide more time in induction. We have people who came into the profession left because they didn't feel efficacious. They need more skills now than ever before. 
And then we have to provide better support resources, um, counselors, literacy specialists, you name it. I could go on and on with that. And then finally, of course, I can't leave the topic without mentioning the elephant in the room, which is safety. Um, this is not a great recruitment campaign uh, to hear that, you know, classrooms are, are unsafe spaces for both children and teachers. And Theo, what are your thoughts on this? Well, everything uh, Dr. Bermoji uh, said, and by the way, go blue, I've got a kid at your school. So thanks for taking yeah. care of him through the pandemic. You, you all did a great <laughs> job. <laughs> um, but I echo everything she said, but I'm going to add one more piece. I think we need leaders, and I'm going to use my phrase that I use here, but we could, I'm sure everyone um, in education uses it, but leaders from other um, entities need to be feel this way too. I tell our folks, and it's not just teachers, it's everyone in this organization that, that it takes to educate a child from bus driver to custodian to teachers to myself. Um, and I mean it from my heart. I'm committed to their success. I'm committed to your success. And we need to be committed on all levels. Sure, that paycheck is important, but there's so much else that happens in that commitment to their success. We have to listen to our folks, respect them for doing the hardest, best job in the world, and treat them like they deserve to be treated with that respect. And Becky, what do you think? What are you saying? I mean, you were talking about having a hard time filling positions. Um, I really feel like, you know, um, what, what has previously been said is all very, very true. Another huge piece, I think, um, is that's missing that we need to work on. And this is, you know, as a school district to our community, but as a schools in general with the society at large is, um, is a trust piece. I, I know that when I started in education, it was trusted that I was trained well and it was trusted that I was going to make the best choices possible. Not that I was going to be perfect or not make mistakes, but there was a trust there that when something was um, did go wrong or there was an issue to face, we could sit down at the table and knew everybody had everybody's best interest in mind and we could communicate and collaborate and problem solve. Mm -hmm. And that's not happening right now. Um, um, and, and that lack of trust, I think, instantly creates issues um, that are just really difficult to navigate for educators, especially in a space where um, you have the other barriers that have been mentioned. And Becky, that kind of answers the next question that I had for the panel. You know, what are teachers needs right now? Well, number one, it sounds like trust, right? They, they want to be trusted and, and they want to be supported. Absolutely. They want they want to feel like they know what they do is it matters. They want to feel efficacy in their own work, but they want other people to believe that as well. You know, that is a huge piece of of what we do every day. It's incredibly challenging every it, every day. It's something new. And so, um, you know, having that trust and being able to 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 know that the people in the community believe in you and believe in what you're doing um, and creating almost like a family atmosphere. I think our teachers really need that right now. Um, and, and we're working really hard to do that here because uh, it's so critical. And Theo, when they come to you during the school day, what are they seeing and what are they saying that their needs are right now? Well, it's a great question. And, and um, you know, I'll, I'll uh, echo what Dr. Bermoji said about safety. The first thing is, is safety. Um, and and uh, uh, it's important, like what um, uh, uh, Superintendent Hutchinson said, we have to verbally and we have to say it to our to our folks, give them the permission 
to be a professional in the field when it comes to safety. Make those professional decisions. We trust you and you have permission. Because when I was a young teacher, I was a rule follower, right? We did. This is what we did. We followed this, you know, bang, bang, bang. But we know you have to be able to act on your feet. And I don't want them to delay. I want them to have that professional. And I, and I believe in it. They're professionals in the field. Make a great decision. Make a decision if you have to. You know, God forbid you ever do. Now, when I did um, go out and talk to our faculty um, early in the recovery status and find out what they needed, you know, it was this it was this mental health, this struggle, this exhaustion of students and that, you know, and, and teachers and families, right? It's the adults as well. And I'll tell you what we did and it, it, it paid off dividends. It took a lot of, took a lot of heat for it, but there was a really tough time uh, before the uh, new year started. And um, we simply did a mental health day. We, we took a day, we announced it two weeks from now is going to be a mental health day. And I'll tell you, it, gave our folks, our kids, our families, something to look forward to. And they stuck with it until that day. You know, they didn't, they didn't take mental health days on their own. They took them all on the same day so that we'd be there for our kids the, the rest of the time. And it was so wonderful to see on Facebook and all that, where they were, they were um, posting, you know, hashtag mental health day and going for walks with their kids and going out to the beach and, and things like that. And it was just, it's, it's one of those things that was, it, it might've sounded silly, but it just, they needed it. And, and uh, so we listened, we did it, took a lot of heat for it, but it was the right thing for the organization for our kids. And Dr. Bermoji, you're right with these students. What are they saying to you? What do they want to be a part of this profession? Uh, well, I'll echo everything already said. Uh, I'm singing with the choir. Uh, they <laughs> want They want pay. They want trust. They want respect and they want support. And finally, they want empathy, which really echoes uh, Superintendent Karolis's last point. I would amplify support. Um, they need to see that there's support for trauma-informed practice. They are not social workers. They are not counselors. They are teachers. And they are struggling to keep teaching, knowing they'll be evaluated. And that evaluation will matter to their future, but also having empathy for their students and wanting to support them. They need help. So those are my five. And Dave, I'm going to let you take it from here because I know you would like to add in on this because you too do this every day. Yeah, it's interesting. I am fortunate to work with superintendents and leaders across the state on a regular basis. And the two words that keep coming up, um, the first one is courage, having the courage to lead right now and to step into those roles, especially as you're an aspiring administrator. Um, and that generally comes from our teacher ranks, um, having the courage to do and to make the decisions that both of our superintendents today and Dr. Bermoji were mentioning, you have to be willing to take risk, intentional risk in this environment because you know what's best for kids. And if you're student-centered and you design around the child, then you're willing to do that. The other one is hope. How are we casting a vision of hope so that people want to be a part of this conversation. Uh, it was mentioned earlier that the narrative really has to shift. Unfortunately, if you talk with a lot of educators, they are not necessarily telling their own children to become educators because they're like, eh, you can probably make more money, your quality of life, and you know what's gonna be the appeal? And we have to get back to having a conversation about the impact and the influence on lives, the legacy that yeah. you can have as a human being on the lives of so many thousands of kids that you can impact if you do the job as a calling as and you understand it 
through that perspective. And, and that is the heart part that the, the heart of a teacher, the spirit of a teacher is we go into it, it, not for the summers off. We go into it because we say, I had an incredible experience or I had someone made an impact on my life. I want to do the same thing. I want to be that person that was there for me. I want to be that for the, the kid that's coming up. And I think that's that's the challenge that we have. So let me pose this question to the group. How will you how would you encourage leaders to offer hope in their local communities? And Theo, if you don't mind, I want to start with you. How would you have coach others to offer that hope? You know, I I I talk to our our, uh, stakeholders and our leaders all the time about what just happened in our in our schools and how my team has just rallied and got and gotten us back. I'm really proud of the work that they've done this year. Been the hardest year of any of our careers and, and we did it. And I think that telling that story to our local leaders and even above that and them being able to say that when they're in public, when they talk about education, look what these people did. Look what they did. They when 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 we shut down, they made sure families could eat. When we shut down, they made sure kids could learn. You know, they 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 can speak that because I tell them that. And I think that's what we need to do more of is tell that story about what just happened and how we got through it. Dr. Bermoji, your thoughts on that? How do you encourage hope? It, it's so funny. I had the phrase telling stories. We have to tell the stories, uh, all the kinds of stories just mentioned, but also stories of children learning, you know, inspiring that that passion again. That gives me hope when I am in, you know, our school, we're partnering with Detroit and seeing what is happening with great teachers and great students learning together and great leaders, by the way, fabulous leaders from the superintendent to the building principal, um, that gives me hope. And so just telling those stories as much as possible. Absolutely. And Becky, your thoughts on that? I think telling stories too is is really important, but something that you actually alluded to, Dave, is really being, um, you know, that lead learner in the district and being yeah. willing to, to, I think, it starts at the top, that mindset, right? And always encouraging that positivity um, with, with of course, realism, but knowing that that the steps that we're taking are absolutely in the right direction. And then underneath that, telling those stories, sharing those stories that help illuminate for the community, you know, what, what it is um, that we're doing and how it's working and how it's going to impact them. Um, I feel like by, by doing that and open those doors of communication, uh, it really will uh, help generate hope for our families, for our teachers and for our staff as a whole and our, and most importantly, our students. Becky Hutchinson, Theo Kerhoulis, and Dr. Elizabeth Bermoji, thank you so much for your time today, for your expertise, and your passion for helping teachers become even better at what they're already doing. And you've been listening to Learning Matters. On behalf of my co-host, Dr. Dave Richards, I'm Ann Thomas. Thank you for listening, and enjoy the rest of your day. 